Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Florida Politics. Powered by Gannett. Another COVID flare-up is putting the spotlight on Florida's pandemic policies. Red tide is causing big environmental problems again along the Gulf Coast. And Florida GOP Chair Joe Bruders is investigated for sexual harassment. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson. And those are some of the stories I'll be discussing today with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns. But first... Pick a number time, gentlemen. Uh, John, do you have a number for me today? I do, Zach. I'm here this week with a 52. How about you, Antonio? I'm going to go a lot simpler, just simple little number eight. And I am by far the largest today with 2.3 million. Remember those numbers, folks. We'll let you know what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, after a lull following the spring vaccination push, COVID infections are surging again in Florida, which is seeing some of the largest case numbers in the nation. Hospitalizations also are on the rise. The difference this time around is that the vaccine is widely available and those getting sick are those who refuse to get inoculated. That's increased pressure on public officials to push for wider vaccine uptake. Antonio, Republicans seem to be responding with more outspoken support for vaccination efforts while also continuing to resist things like mass mandates. Do you think they can move the needle on vaccination? And is Governor Ron DeSantis uh, doing enough? No, I I think there's some question whether that will be the case. Look, the fact of the matter is that, yes, you had the the governor, you know, sort of talk about the the necessity of people in Florida being vaccinated. And in all fairness, so have, you know, our two U.S. senators, Marco Rubio, and Rick Scott, who all along, by the way, have been calling for vaccinations. But there's a difference between the way that Republicans even now call for people in Florida to get vaccinated versus the way that Democrats have been doing it all along. But first of all, I, I think we need to point out that, in fact, you know, public health experts in Florida and around across the country are saying that this state is headed for trouble. You know, they're warning that the Delta variant is a serious public health threat. And the, clearly the, the numbers of cases are supporting those fears. I, I spoke with Dr. Jason Salami at the University of South Florida this weekend. He told me we are seeing a lot more cases and a lot more cases with complications and that some indicators of severe illness, severe illness have gone up dramatically. You know, a month ago, for example, on June 17th, he said the state had notched just over 10,000 cases for an entire week, fewer than 1,500 per day. The, you know, the best result at that point that we had seen in a year. Four weeks later, Florida posted a fourfold increase in cases to more than 45,000 that week, uh, or on average 6,500 cases a day. To put in perspective, that means that Florida made up about, Florida, which makes up about six and a half percent of the US population, in the past two weeks had accounted for about 20% of new cases nationally. Another indicator, case positivity had dropped to a fairly healthy 3% in mid June. But it shot up, I'm sorry, in mid-April, but it shot up to 12% uh, by the early this month with 53 of Florida's 67 counties registering positivity rates above 10%. 
Um, and then consequently, arguably the most worrisome statistics of all hospitalizations in Florida increased by 144% in the past month from 1,564 total patients hospitalized with COVID to more, just over 3,800. Look, th those numbers could be stunted, as we just said, could be stunted by raising Florida's vaccination rate. But according to one source, uh, Becker's Hospital Review, Florida currently ranks 24th in the number of fully vaccinated people with just, um, just around 10.26 million people, or just about just under 50% of the population. And, and here's the problem. Political conservatives and Trump voters are not enamored with the vaccine and don't seem to trust it. We have all written about this. You know, that is nothing new. What is new is the Delta variant combined with the fact that just about 47% of Florida's eligible vaccine population has been inoculated. And in some counties, I was told by Dr. Sanya Rasmussen at the University of Florida that the vaccination rate is in the 20% range. Now, as you mentioned, Republicans have been upping the call for people to be vaccinated. Governor DeSantis on Wednesday, uh, Marco Rubio and Rick Scott, as I mentioned, you know, all along. And Sean Hannity on his uh, Hannity. Fox News show was very yes. uh, outspoken about it and said people should research it. And, and, uh, and, you know, he believes in vaccination. So, I mean, it does seem like a concerted push by uh, national Republicans in Jacksonville. The mayor, Lenny Curry, who's a Republican, said, you know, people need to go out. Um, and get vaccinated. But, um, you know, it, it just, you know, at this point, it does seem like a lot of people's views are pretty entrenched on some of this. Uh, I wonder if if, uh, if you've seen more of their friends and neighbors get sick could change that. Uh, perhaps. But here's the difference. And this is this is what the, the here is something that's really important that a couple of people have pointed out. There is a major but a subtle but major difference in the way that Democrats and Republican, Democratic and Republican officials speak about the vaccine. Democrats say, get the vaccine now because it will save your life and it is a patriotic thing to do to protect your community. Republicans say, get the vaccine, but it's also a personal decision and this is a free country and we don't mandate anything, so inform yourself and make the best decision you can, which is echoes what Sean Hannity just said this week. The problem with that, you know, these, uh, these uh, public health experts have told me, is that there are a lot of people making the wrong decisions because they are listening to the wrong information. And there is a lot of disinformation out there. Everything from the vaccine is the way the government's gonna track you to potential you know, health risks that are not proven out. You know, There's been already in the United States, 159 million people have been vaccinated. There's next to no evidence of any kind of serious side effects. And in fact, of the you know, there have only been 5,500 people that have been hospitalized with COVID after being vaccinated, which means that if you get vaccinated, you got a one in 29,000 chance of getting really sick with this thing. So in terms of health economics and in terms of, you know, this, this you know, it, it's important to get vaccinated. But the fact is, you know, that as you know, that there is the, the Republican message is still kind of qualified with this you know, wrapped up in, you know, personal freedom and do your, your do your research, but people are going to the wrong sites, you know, and as I, and right now we're running out of time, as Dr. Salemi at USF told me that there are 8 million people in Florida eligible for the vaccine, but who are not vaccinated. Even if you vaccinated all of them right now, they wouldn't really have full immunity until close to Labor Day. And at the rate the Delta variant is spreading and hospitalizes, hospitalizations are growing, that could be too late even for those who got a shot right now.
This is, um, you know, Florida, it does seem like is the, the epicenter of this latest wave um, with the most uh, total number of cases, the most cases per capita. I saw um, that some hospitals, I think uh, Jackson, the big public hospital down in Miami is starting to restrict uh, visitation uh, again. Uh, Joe Biden, I think, said last night on his town hall that uh, potentially there could be a recommendation that children should wear masks uh, in school. Uh next year so that a lot of things happening right now um on this and uh you know desantis has really made his reputation on resisting um covid restrictions so it doesn't seem like uh he's going to be pushing a lot of new uh, restrictions in the state um and this vaccination issue um as you said is is only going to help down the road so um a very difficult situation that that florida is could be facing right now well as desantis deals with the covid crisis he also is facing another environmental catastrophe. This time, it's a big red tide algae bloom that is killing sea life along the Gulf Coast from Pinellas County down to uh, Sarasota and Point South. Rick Kreisman, the Democratic mayor of St. Petersburg, slammed DeSantis recently, saying, quote, the politicization of the governor's response to red tide is truly sickening. Kreisman wants DeSantis to declare a state of emergency, something the governor said isn't necessary. And he said that it's Kreisman who's politicizing the crisis. DeSantis was elected in 2018 on a promise to clean up the environment and address harmful algae blooms. That's easier said than done since red tide is a naturally occurring phenomenon, but it's made worse by fertilizer runoff and other forms of nutrient pollution. John, what has DeSantis done to address uh, environmental issues and what more could he be doing? Well, you don't think of dead fish out in the Gulf being the stuff that becomes a political crisis. But when you have an estimated uh, 650 tons of it floating around uh, Gulf waterways off uh, St. Petersburg, Clearwater and the Tampa Bay area, I guess it becomes that. Uh, DeSantis has been trying to make the point that he's responding to the problem. Uh, he traveled to St. Petersburg this week for sort of a show of force with state and local marine officers, uh, environmental officials, and and some business owners from the area who, uh, you know, as usual, at any uh, DeSantis news event, they all praise the governor and the state's action, helping with uh, monitoring and water sampling and cleanup. And, uh, and of course, DeSantis also waved off these calls from Democrats and uh, some environmentalists for him to declare a state of emergency. That would be you know, something similar to what his predecessor, now uh, Senator Rick Scott, did back in 2018 when there was an even uh, bigger outbreak of the algae uh, in the Gulf. But uh, DeSantis seems to think that the state of emergency will only further hurt the state's image. Uh, that seems to be a, a, a part of his silence on this. And, uh, and and of course, that would mean it hurts businesses, too, I suppose. Uh, he, he doesn't seem to want to shine a brighter light on the red tide problem. Uh, instead, he and his supporters are trying to make the point that the problem is largely localized, that it's uh, being contained, and that it's mostly naturally occurring, and that will, it will eventually recede. But, you know, these businesses who uh, remember 2018, they'd like swifter action, no doubt. Uh, but to that, DeSantis says a, a state of emergency won't really change anything from what he's doing now. Um, it, it became sort of a checklist for DeSantis when he was in St. Petersburg this week, uh, pointing to what he's done to battle the phenomenon and uh, saying that over the past two years, the, the state has steered $14.5 million to the Center for Red Tide Research at the Florida Wildlife Commission, which he he created that research uh, center in 2019. 
He's also developed a partnership with uh, Moat Marine Lab in uh, Sarasota to develop technologies and approaches to control and ease the red tide and its impact. And uh, the legislature has provided $3 million a year to that program. But, you know, m money for red tide and, yeah, you know, don't forget blue-green algae that's also often seen along the Atlantic coast predominantly. Uh, that also gets about $25 million a year under the big uh, it's more than $600 million a year that he's, uh, DeSantis has successfully gotten the legislature to put into water improvement programs. Um, but, you know, that doesn't make it go away, all this, that what seems like a vast amount of money. He is getting hit by his Democratic gubernatorial rivals, that's uh, Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed and Congressman Charlie Crist, who's, whose own St. Pete area congressional district is uh, really just downwind of this massive fish kill. So, um, so, you know, DeSantis has gotten money for the problem, but the public is not going to remain quiet if this problem continues. And uh, I think that's what he's facing right now. Uh, given the season that we're in, the Gulf is getting warmer, and that's going to be more hospitable to more algae blooms as the summer continues. And uh, if this becomes a severe shutdown, as it could with uh, you know, beach closures and business shutdowns like we saw in 2018, uh, DeSantis is going to really have to you know, step up his game and get more involved. Uh, something tells me that an emergency order could still be coming, you know, even if uh, he insists it won't change much of what the state is doing. Uh, it, to a certain degree, all this uh, comes back to you know, what we've seen with flooding in Miami-Dade and Broward when, you know, there's rains and full moons, uh, Florida's environmental issues seem to be overtaking what seems like an enormous amount of money that's already being spent to mitigate these problems. Um, Florida's freshwater springs have problems and the state is spending heavily on them. Lake Okeechobee is hurt by urban runoff, bringing nutrients into the lake. And uh, the Gulf, of course, is how to withstand the flow of nutrient-rich water from that, that foul Piney Point Industrial Reservoir, which began draining into the Gulf earlier this spring. So, you know, th th there's, there's going to be hundreds of millions of dollars being spent on cleaning up and removing Piney Point. So while DeSantis can point to all that he's, you know, that, that's been done already, it doesn't get rid of the sort of the central environmental hazards that are facing the state's very fragile wetlands, the shorelines and, and the waterways, uh, a lot of it caused by, you know, interaction with 20 million people that are living here. Uh, you know, so maybe the dead fish go away, but if they don't, uh, DeSantis's environmental record is going to be tested. And no matter how many millions uh, have been spent, the public is going to want more millions on top of that. They want it fixed, uh, even though we, the public, are often the cause of many of these problems. Antonio, uh, DeSantis has really thrilled conservatives with his response to the COVID crisis. He basically went to war with his critics. He's pushing back against criticism again that, of his handling of this red tide outbreak. And I wonder if he can really pull off the same trick twice. I mean, he campaigned as an environmentalist in 2018 and we've had two big environmental problems under his watch, first Piney Point and now another big red tide outbreak. Doesn't he sort of own this and, and uh, you know, kind of uh, have to um, kind of deliver here, I mean, and, and, and uh, take responsibility for some of these problems? Well, yeah, but you know what? It's not just that he thrilled uh, conservatives. He also thrilled a lot of independents and even, you know, liberals with a lot of these moves early on on the environment, the, the money that John just talked about. The, you know, there was a, the the work on you know, the money they gave to, to Moat Marine for the red tide research, also the, the work that they started to do to 
basically clean up on the east side of the state, the southeast side, you know, these, the, the rivers, the, uh, the outflows from Lake Okeechobee. Uh, he spent a lot of money on the lake itself. He brought then-President Trump to Lake Okeechobee in 2019 and helped secure a $200 million push to fund projects aimed at restoring Florida's Everglades. He, he also, uh, at about the same time, you know, had been working on clearing out a lot of the uh, the manager, the the board, the pointings to the boards of the water district at the South Florida Water Management District. He he requested and got the the uh, basically the resignation of the entire board and and you know and brought in a, a new slew of of folks to run that organization. So a lot of those moves are very popular. It's one of the reasons why he well into his you know beginning of the second year before COVID, why he had a sixty five percent approval rate now. Something that John said is really important here. Uh, these are not just environmental issues; they they have or environmental impact. They also have a lot of economic impact. You know, our beaches depend on people being able to enjoy them. Not to mention that this is a state that has a very strong and very popular and very lucrative boating and fishing industry. Massive fish kills don't do good there, and that is a been a traditional you know, Republican constituency, the, the outdoorsmen, the, the boaters, the fishermen, you know, the hunters. Um, he's, he's, you know, this is, a, this is a key group that he's got to make sure that he has their, the confidence that, you know, that they understand that he's making the right moves to clean this up. And now, now it is, as John said, it, it is a, at the beginning of his, you know, analysis there. It, it's a very fine line. Yes, if you declare a state of emergency, then, of course, Tourism and image centers of Florida worries that it projects itself to the rest of the country as a state in crisis. Don't come here. So he's got to be careful on that end. But at the same time, you got to resolve the problem. Otherwise, the economic impact is is going to be felt and already in and already in an industry, hospitality and leisure, they got hammered by the pandemic and has not yet recovered, fully recovered and from from uh, by all metrics. So. This is a very touchy situation and one that can get, you know, not just become an environmental powder keg for him, but also a, a, an economic one. Well, one thing that's true uh, about being governor of Florida is you often don't have to deal with just one crisis, but multiple crises at the same time. And uh, uh, DeSantis is certainly confronting that as we enter the heart of hurricane season. So a lot going on right now. DeSantis isn't the only Florida political leader embroiled in turmoil this week. Florida GOP chair Joe Gruters was in the spotlight after it came out that the Republican Party of Florida was investigating a sexual harassment complaint against Gruters. The party eventually came out and said the investigation is closed and the allegations couldn't be substantiated. But it's not clear that the episode is entirely behind Gruters. Some have speculated that uh, Gruters who has not always been in sync with Governor uh, DeSantis and his political team could still be a target in DeSantis' world. John, what do you make of this latest Gruder's drama? Well, it's another moment when you have to ask, uh, will Joe Gruder's continue as Republican Party chairman for long? Uh, we've asked ourselves that a, a few times over the past couple of years uh, after several flare-ups of tension coming mostly from Governor DeSantis and aimed at Gruder's. Uh, but the, the the Sarasota senator was uh, elected to a new two-year term in January, so he was doing something right at that point. And, of course, uh, Gruters was a, an early adapter of uh, Donald Trump, uh, endorsing him in the 2016 Republican presidential primary over Florida's own uh, Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio at that time. And uh, Gruters can point to 
generally amazing success for the party in last fall's elections, even as uh, Trump lost the White House. Uh, but that was really not due to any problem with his uh, support in Florida. But, uh, you know, it, it boils down to, I think uh, DeSantis doesn't like him. Uh, seems like he never has. They, uh, they rowed over the 2019 statesman's dinner. Remember that? Uh, they, they squabbled over the appointment of a party executive director. Uh, DeSantis uh, tried to open the door to a rival to run against Reuters for chairman in January when he, when he won re-election. Um, but uh, DeSantis seems to want his own guy in there. And it's possible that this latest cloud over Gruters, whether it's uh, largely created by his opponents, uh, you know, rivals or not, there, there, there could still be something that causes him to step aside. Um, uh, it, it, it seems very likely that this story was floated out there after the Florida Republican Party closed the investigation into the sexual harassment charge, um, you know, having had an, an independent law firm investigate it and concluding that they really could not substantiate the allegations. But um, with the story at that time looking like it was going to disappear as an internal matter at the uh, state's Republican Party, it, it's pretty clear that someone who knew about it obviously wanted to get the allegation out there in public. And uh, we news organizations do what we do when there's news. We write about it. Uh, sometimes even when the motivations behind why we know the news exists may not be all that pure. But, um, you know, Gruters is a is a true state party animal. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I spoke to him months ago leading up to his run for re-election as chairman about that idea of him running again, despite all the, uh, you know, the, the controversies and the, the pressure from the governor to step aside. And uh, at that time, I remember him speaking about how much he genuinely enjoys all the party building, the get out the vote efforts, the, the Lincoln Day planning, the county chair and state committee man and woman schmoozing and cajoling and the drama that usually involves all these county uh, Republican officials. Um, you know, if I remember correctly, I was left with the impression that he'd choose the party job over his elected job as a state senator, which, you know, itself is pretty influential, I'd say. But you know, if there's a germ of truth behind the harassment claim, clearly that's not good. And uh, it seems that perhaps if there's enough concerns at the the Republican executive committee level that they want Gruters to go. Uh, maybe this is enough for him to walk away. I, I, I don't think so right now, but for DeSantis who is coming up on his own reelection effort next year, he probably does not want to be tied to Gruters anymore. Uh, but DeSantis, like like Rick Scott before him as governor, is is very capable of doing his own fundraising and get out the vote efforts without the party help. Uh, basically, you know, kind of exiling Gruters if he continues as chair to be uh, toiling away at helping House and Senate leadership and congressional candidates and doing his own party fundraising. So, you know, for all their success, it seems that Florida Republicans don't subscribe to that. What was it? The old uh, Vince Lombardi phrase, uh, winning isn't everything. It's the only thing uh, <laughs> for Republicans. It seems like winning is only the thing you do when you're not fighting among yourselves. Yeah, there there, there always seems to be plenty of uh, intra-party fighting in, in both uh, Republican and Democratic circles uh, in Florida. I've covered Gruters for a long, long time um, and know him pretty well. And uh he seems to, you know, he, he he's definitely somebody and, and it, it, you know, it looks like this investigation is closed. Who 
who knows? I mean, the the party has not been very forthcoming about you know any details uh, around it, and so it's hard to know exactly you know what the um, what the truth is here, uh, whether this was a, a real legitimate accusation or or if uh, you know if there wasn't uh, much there there. But uh, one thing that's true about Gruters is that he's pretty resilient and he's taken a lot of attacks and uh, they've rolled off his back over the years and he's faced some adversity uh, within his party and outside his party and and he seems to uh, keep moving along. So who knows what will happen here? But um, you know he definitely uh, has has overcome some things in the past. Uh, you know whether it was uh, with DeSantis or you know I think when he won his first election, he actually lost his first two elections when he was in his twenties, and the first one that he won was a Republican primary that he only won by a few hundred votes against uh, a candidate who tried to challenge him from the right. So, um, you know he's faced. Uh, some critics and some uh, tough situations, and uh, we'll see what happens from here. We'll move on to our our numbers here. Antonio, you want to tell us about yours? Yeah, I picked eight, and that is as in eight months. That is the prison sentence handed to a Florida man, Tampa's own Paul Allard Hodgkins, for his role in the U.S. Capitol riot on January 6th. Uh, Hodge, Hodgkins is the first of the Capitol rioters to be sentenced for a felony, in this case, one count of disrupting an official proceeding. Of course, that official proceeding is nothing less than the certification of a U.S. presidential election, and that it was done for the purpose of what essentially was an attempted coup, violating the U.S. constitutional requirement that electoral votes are counted and the presidential election is case closed. But Hutchkins and thousands of others decided they didn't want to accept and respect 200 plus years of U.S. electoral democracy. So they took it upon themselves to storm the Capitol in the name and at the urging of former President Trump to fight like hell, quote unquote. In the process, five people end up dead and more than 100 police officers would be hurt. And the rest of the world saw a spectacle that has raised a question about the stability and the commitment of Americans to the democracy that they have been pitching around the world for a better part of a couple hundred years. Um, now, more than 500 others have been charged. And Zach, you have written that Florida is among the, is leads the country, along with Texas and the number of those arrested. So for his role in all of this, Hodgkins got a mere eight months out of a possible 20 year sentence. Let's just say that people arrested on minor drug possession charges have gotten way longer prison sentences than Mr. Hodges did for his participation in the worst domestic attack on American democracy since the Civil War. We'll let our our listeners come to their own conclusion. I think we're going to still be hearing a lot more about this, obviously, with the uh, the commission uh, that was just formed in, in Congress and uh, Florida um, continuing to have new arrests uh, on a regular basis. Uh, John, you want to tell us about your number? Yeah, Zach, 52 was my number, and that's 52 percent, the increase in the Florida COVID-19 case count this week over the previous week. So, uh, yeah, COVID's back in the headlines. And uh, Antonia mentioned earlier this on, on the podcast that state officials reported 45,603 cases at the beginning of this week. That's a big jump over the previous week and uh, numbers somewhat reminiscent of late last June in those pre-vaccination days when numbers started to climb. Well, we have vaccinations now, but uh, and we had them for a while, but the the state's rate is uh, has slowed. Uh, we're still at about 47% of the state fully vaccinated, and uh, that's a couple of percentage points below the national average. And the Delta variant of the virus is really 
coursing through the country right now and Florida. But um, DeSantis uh, just on Wednesday said he's, quote, never been driven by the case counts, kind of uh, diminishing their importance, I guess, in his view, because some people reported positive aren't really that sick. Um, OK, you know, sick is sick to me. And uh, stopping these infectious people from spreading the virus to others who might get really sick has been uh, central to stopping the pandemic, which is something that you know, a concept that it seems like it never really has quite reached uh, DeSantis and many others uh, who that, that is the idea of it being uh, something that is uh, spread by people that may not be showing that many symptoms is not something that they seem to uh, grasp. Um, like we mentioned earlier, the governor is calling for more people to get vaccinated. But when we dig into some of these numbers in Florida, there's a real pattern developing. Uh, you're seeing that state health data shows that the, the counties with the most positive cases right now are those rural counties that also have low vaccination rates. Uh, remember back a year ago, the breakouts were horrible in places like Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, Hillsborough, Duval. The big, the big urban counties were suffering uh, pre-vaccine. But uh, now uh, the script is flipped. You're seeing uh, Miami-Dade has a 7% positivity rate for people getting the virus. That's uh, a, a place where, you know, 75% of people in Miami-Dade are vaccinated, according to uh, the state. So um, that clearly is holding the positivity rate down in Miami-Dade. Now, Compare that with tiny uh, Liberty County. Um, th that has the state's highest positivity rate at 35.5%. Uh, that's a county where only 29% of people have gotten vaccinated. So, you know, that's the pattern. The, the rural counties where vaccine skepticism seems highest or, you know, awareness is most lacking, that's where the latest surge is showing itself. And uh, meanwhile, urban Florida is getting its share of cases, but, but, People have gotten on board with vaccines in these urban counties. So uh, you're also seeing the political side of it, where the counties where COVID is surging right now are also predominantly red counties where former President Trump and, yes, uh, Ron DeSantis did best. Now, DeSantis is up for re-election next year. Uh, he'd be best served if he stepped up his game some and got this voting base vaccinated. Yeah. And, and one thing to um, point out is that it's not just infections. It's not like this is just a bunch of uh, people without any symptoms. These are these infections turn into hospitalizations. Uh, we've seen the hospitalizations increase significantly uh, here in Sarasota at Sarasota Memorial Hospital. There were just four people with COVID on June 19th and a month later on July uh, 19th, there were 36 uh, and it's now over 40. So, I mean, uh, it's it's gone up. Uh, the hospitalizations have gone up very significantly um, just over the last month. And uh, a lot of these red places, as you point out, John, are more rural and suburban. They have less hospital uh, capacity. And so it will be important to watch to see if um, this uh, increase in cases starts to strain um, hospital capacity in many areas. Well, my number is 2.3 million. That's the number of Cuban immigrants and their descendants living in the United States, according to the Pew Research Center. Two-thirds of those Cubans, or roughly 1.5 million people, live in Florida, which has way more Cubans than any other state. 
The next largest population of Cubans is in uh, California, and it's just one twelfth of the population of Cubans in Florida. So that means whatever happens in Cuba has a big impact on Florida and Florida politics, as we've discussed, which is why the recent anti-government demonstrations in Cuba have the attention of many Florida leaders. Last night, Governor Ron DeSantis and Senator Marco Rubio were among the uh, Republican leaders who participated um, in a town hall in the Miami with Fox News host Sean Hannity. Rubio and DeSantis both hammered the Biden administration on Cuba, saying not enough is being done to support the protesters and promote freedom on the island. Cuba policy has always been important uh, in Florida, but it's especially salient right now with Cubans in Florida desperate to see some sort of assistance for protesters on the island. Republicans are putting the pressure on Biden and Democrats and how they respond could be critical to how Cubans in Florida vote in 2022. Well, that wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy, and thanks to all of you for listening. We're out of here.